So if the gospel is a tree, then our lives are the fruit it bears by the good works that are created and are effective as the grace of God is working through us. Welcome to Working with the Word, a weekly podcast designed to equip you with the skills and confidence for deeper daily Bible study. I'm Jeff O'Rear. And I'm Emerson Brown. Thank you for tuning into the ninth episode of Working with the Word. This is going to be our final episode on the book of Titus as we have been practicing our observation, interpretation, and application skills to become better Bible students. And not just better Bible students, but better disciples of Jesus. So if you can, grab your Bible or just listen in as we dive into Titus chapter 3. Let's take a quick moment to see what we discussed last week in Titus 2 before we enter our final chapter today. Here are five key points to remember. First, that true teachers must present the true teaching of God's Word. Now that might sound pretty redundant or expected, but this is as opposed to what the false teachers are doing that we saw Paul make a contrast with in the beginning of chapter 2 as opposed to the end of chapter 1. Secondly, true teaching of the gospel is going to impact how we live. We see that in those first 10 verses of chapter 2. Thirdly, how we live as Christians impacts how people are going to view the Bible. Fourth was the fact that God's grace is the center of it all. We see the significance and that high point of the discussion in chapter 2 of God's grace. And finally, the fifth reminder of key ideas, that God's grace and Christ's work prompts us to eagerly do good works. Titus chapter 3 is a little bit challenging to outline. It seems like everything that we've talked about in chapters 1 and 2 are just intertwined together and and dumped together in chapter 3 like spaghetti because it's all connected to each other. But just to give you a brief outline of where we're going today, first of all, we're going to talk about Paul giving Titus encouragement for his work as an evangelist. He's going to talk about the why of godly living again. He's going to talk more about what God has done for us in mercy and grace and love. Thirdly, we're going to see Paul's final reminders of things for Titus to teach and to avoid. And finally, the greetings and conclusion as he ends out the letter. So, Jeff, I'm going to kick it to you, and you can read Titus chapter 3 for us. This is Titus actually beginning in chapter 2 and verse 15 through chapter 3 and verse 15 from the Christian Standard Bible. Proclaim these things, encourage and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Remind them to submit to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to slander no one, to avoid fighting, and to be kind, always showing gentleness to all people. For we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, and living in malice and envy, hateful and detesting one another." But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us, not by the works of righteousness that we had done, but according to His mercy, through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. He poured out His Spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by His grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things, so that those who have believed God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. These are good and profitable for everyone. 
But avoid foolish debates, genealogies, quarrels, and disputes about the law, because they are unprofitable and worthless. Reject a divisive person after a first and second warning. For you know that such a person has gone astray and is sinning. He is self-condemned. When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, make every effort to come to me in Nicopolis, because I have decided to spend the winter there. Diligently help Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their journey, so that they will lack nothing. Let our people learn to devote themselves to good works for pressing needs, so they will not be unfruitful. All those who are with me send you greetings. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with all of you. So as we think about each of these sections, beginning in 2.15 to 3.2, Paul tells Titus more about his work as a preacher. And what I noticed here is that there are five verbs that kind of describe what Titus's work is to do. Now, we know that this is not a preacher's podcast. We're not trying to make it that. But we're, we're talking about a letter that was written to a preacher. So we need to see what he's saying to this young evangelist. So verb number one is to proclaim these things in 2.15. What are these things that he's to proclaim? Well, I think it backs up to chapter 2, verses 11 to 14, when he talks about the grace of God appearing. A preacher, the central heart of his message needs to be the grace of God and the gospel of Jesus. He needs to proclaim that. Secondly, encourage. There is definitely a positive part of preaching. As we are preaching the gospel or hearing the gospel, it lifts us up. It helps us. It supports us. It motivates us. And we all need to know that God wants us to succeed in the gospel, and that's what he means by encourage. But there's also a negative aspect, and that leads us to our third word, rebuke. Negative preaching is sometimes needed, especially when there is error that needs to be denounced or silenced. We've seen that with the false teachers in chapter 1. These need to be silenced, and these contentious people in chapter 3 need to be rebuked. And fourthly, Paul tells Titus, let no one disregard you. I think there's an important principle here that personal conduct must match preaching content. It reminds me of what Paul says to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4.12, let no one look down on your youthfulness. Paul's not saying don't let anyone disrespect you or that you just demand respect. No one gains respect by demanding it. You gain respect by the way that you live. And so the point is don't let the gospel be reproached because of your life. And then the final word is remind them of these things. Be repetitious, not weekly, obviously, because then you're going to lose listeners, but remind as needed. You know, a lot of preaching is not telling people new things, but just reminding ourselves and one another of what we already know and to put it into practice. So all of what Titus is to preach is ultimately to lead all of us, both himself and those that listen, to action, whether that's obedient to governing authorities, to be ready for good works, to use our words in helpful, not hurtful ways, So just like we talked about with application and Bible study, preaching is not complete unless there is application. And so Paul is just reminding Titus of that here as he begins this section. Now, as we move into chapter 3, verse 3 through verse 7, it appears that once again, Paul is moving from the application of God's teaching to the source of our desire to apply God's teaching in the first place, similar to what we see in chapter 2, verses 11 through 14, out of response of chapter 2, verses Mm -hmm. 1 through verse 10. Now, here's a study tip as we begin to talk about this section in these 
verses, chapter 3, verse 3 through verse 7. Look for the pronouns. Look for the we, the us, the all that are used in this section, as well as the he, the his, things that will connect things to God. Look about who's being discussed and what they are doing. We see as this section begins that we were lost in our sins. In verse 3, we see the idea that we can all identify somewhere in this list of where we used to be. As Paul is talking to Titus about his work with the Cretans and the things he'll have to be telling them and the Christians on the islands of Crete, it might seem like, man, these people just don't get it. They're they're messed up. Maybe sometimes you feel like that when you're trying to study with a friend or you're trying to preach or teach yourself. Maybe sometimes you feel that way about yourself, that you know someone's just not getting it. But we can understand that we all identify somewhere in this list. Paul says we, as he includes Titus and himself in that. So surely we should include ourselves and be honest with the fact that, yes, we fall in this list at some point. But we see the beginning of verse 4, God saves us. We see on our own, we were dead in our sins and we were lost. We see that God, by his kindness, his love, by his mercy, we could even go back to chapter 2 and verse 11, by his grace, all that has appeared here, and even some similar language as he talked about his love and his kindness having appeared, all of this is what saves us. We see it's his mercy, his love, his kindness. So how? It, again, it definitely wasn't us. It wasn't because we were so good. It wasn't by our own works of righteousness. When you look at the people in Titus 3.3, does it sound like those people were people who could figure out salvation on their own or who deserved God's grace or God's love to step in for them? No, but we see God chose to step in. Now, as we think about this section here, I'm thinking about verse 5 and verse 6 right now. This is a red pen moment for me. We've used that illustration before of the red pen, and I'm bringing this out to highlight some things I need to notice in my own study. Because we've talked before about how when we see things that are unfamiliar to us, how they can hinder great Bible study, don't fall short of great Bible study just because the end of verse 5 or maybe the beginning of verse 6 seems unusual. Now, let me be a little bit more clear about what I mean by that in saying that those verses talk about the Holy Spirit. And sometimes I might just see that and I just read over it and I just think, yeah. well, I don't know what that is or that's not for me to understand. Well, this is my section for the podcast because I've had to think more about <laughs> it and what's going on here. Paul says in chapter 3 and verse 5, he tells us how God has saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. When we see that word regeneration, I think about that new birth that comes from John chapter 3 and verse 3, really that whole discussion in John chapter 3 in the beginning of that chapter when Jesus talks to Nicodemus, he talks about the new birth that comes through the water and the Spirit, and see that connection there with what Paul is saying here. I mean, think about what Paul says to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He says in in chapter 6, verse 9 through 11, how sinners are not going to be going to heaven, sexually immoral people, greedy people, people full of malice or idolatry or any of those things. He says, and such were some of you at the beginning of verse 11. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, he goes on to say, but you were sanctified. He even talks about how you were washed. We see connections there once again to that regeneration that comes through the washing. We see the renewal that's talked about here as well. I maybe think about Galatians chapter 5. We no longer walk in deeds of the flesh, but we walk by the Spirit. We follow the Spirit. We bear fruit of the Spirit. We live by the Spirit. 
So as we see Paul talk about this to Titus here, we want to try to do our best to not bounce around too much or try to go into what does this mean, what does this not mean, encounter everything, particularly in this program. But going to some of those places like John 3, 1 Corinthians 6, with Galatians 5, help me to at least try to understand a little bit more connecting this idea about what's going on. Yeah, so we want to understand what Paul is telling to Titus here in, in Titus 3, but you know, one of the things about Bible study we've talked about is we want to make sure that our interpretation is consistent with what the Scripture teaches elsewhere. And so that's what trying to illustrate here is going to other passages can help us illuminate with the meaning here in Titus chapter 3 to make sure that we're not teaching something that is false, but also something that is in accordance with the rest of Scripture. Yes, exactly. Now, as we go back to Titus chapter 3, he says in verse 6, he talks about the work of Jesus and the work of God's Spirit that has been poured out on us that we find salvation. You think about that phrase of God pouring out his Spirit on us, that should immediately call to mind passages like Joel 2, and the prophet Joel talks about that. Peter quotes from that passage in Joel 2 in Acts chapter 2, when salvation has come, when the Spirit has come upon the apostles and they preach that first gospel sermon. We see that connection being made there as God's pouring out his Spirit to people. Now, we finally see in this section that we are justified by the grace of Christ, just as Paul talks about in Romans chapter 3 and verse 24. And continuing to hold on to that hope mentioned in the introduction, that hope of eternal life, he brings up here once again, that confident expectation of eternal life. We see this section here in verse 3 through verse 7, and again, it's very similar to what we read about in chapter 2, verse 11 through verse 14. It's so important for every Christian to know the impact of the grace and kindness and love and mercy of God in their lives, and the work that God and Jesus and the Spirit have done for us to find salvation. Truly, this type of sound teaching leads us to sound living. Yeah, and I love how you brought out how in this section in in chapter 3, it parallels with chapter 2. Two times, at least in this book, there are two major sections where Paul deals with the heart of the gospel, what God's grace has done for us in Jesus. And so in in chapter 3 and verse 8, he says, This saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things. So, you know, that kind of pings back to those passages that talks about what Titus is teaching and proclaiming and encouraging and rebuking with. It's all about the gospel. It's all about what Jesus has done for us. And so just reminding Titus of the emphasis he needs to have in his preaching and us as listeners in our, in our listening, we need to be listening for the gospel message. The best way to combat error, those that are false teachers in Crete, is for Titus to teach the truth. So he needs to emphasize that and insist that. One of the themes that we find here in chapter 3, and really all of Titus we've talked about, is that good teaching of the gospel leads to good works. And especially that's true in this chapter. In verses 8 through 11, that good works are fruitful and profitable for everyone. You know, not just Titus, but all Christians. But there are also some examples of bad works that Titus needs to avoid because these are unprofitable and worthless. He mentions foolish debates, genealogies, and quarrels about the law. These seem to be controversies that are related to the Old Testament law. So apparently these false teachers in Crete were using God's word, the Old Testament specifically, but not doing it well, not doing it in the way that 
the word was intended to be used. They were using them in foolish ways just to raise contentions. And Paul tells Titus, avoid those things. Don't get involved in those things. Because, secondly, they lead to divisions. So yeah, Titus needs to rebuke and he needs to be patient in that. Verse 10 says that he needs to reject a divisive person after a first and second warning. You know, he's going to have to apply some discernment of how much he rebukes, but also he needs to be able to refuse to listen entirely because division does great damage to to God's cause. I think there's an important application we can stop and think about here. Titus's situation, he was living in an environment of negativity and needless division. And right now, that's so true in our environment too, isn't it? I mean, we're, we're wrapped up in a lot of controversy and can anyone say politics? <laughs> uh, we don't have a whole lot of stomach for it sometimes. But so here in Titus, here's an example, number one, of how not to use the Bible, right? We don't want to use the Bible to stir up unnecessary division, especially within the, the, the church of Jesus. Amen. Titus needs to avoid doing that. He needs to rebuke those that stir up division. Uh, and just, you know, thinking practically, do we want to bring more positivity in, in our lives? Of course we do. We need to have discernment to cut out those things that are worthless, not profitable, and instead replace them by meditating on God's grace and his mercy and his love and devoting ourselves to doing good works. Just like with the introductory greeting, we don't want to blow past the conclusionary greeting of Paul's or really any New Testament letters. So thinking about chapter 3, verse 12, and verse 13. When it comes to things like places and names, a Bible with good cross-reference list or a good Bible dictionary or a study Bible can be helpful. I feel it's important to remind everyone when consulting material outside the Bible, always keep discerning eyes and ears open. And the same goes for this podcast as well. Keep those discerning eyes, keep those discerning ears open, even as Emerson and I have our discussions either about books of the Bible or about things related to Bible study to make sure that you're staying on the right path. So thinking about some of these things that are brought up here, in verse 12 and verse 13, we have a couple of men who are mentioned. First of all, in verse 12, Artemis, who is this person? We're just not sure. Is somebody that Paul and Titus both knew, apparently, but we don't know who this person is. There's also a man named Tychicus, who appeared to have a hand in delivering the Ephesian and Colossian letters. That's referenced in Ephesians chapter 6.21 and Colossians 4.7, respectively. He's also mentioned as being sent to Ephesus in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, possibly to relieve Timothy as he makes his own way to Paul. But as we see Tychicus being described in Ephesians chapter 6 and Colossians chapter 4, Paul always describes Tychicus as a beloved brother and a faithful minister, someone who Paul really cares about and is doing good work in accordance with Paul. Now in verse 13, we have a couple more men who are mentioned. We have Zenus the lawyer. Again, this is somebody we don't really have a whole lot of information about. Now some say that due to his Greek name, we can assume he was an expert in Roman law, as opposed to maybe some of the lawyers we read about in the Gospels who would be experts in Jewish law, but that's just kind of speculation, and that's about as much as we can probably get to knowing about Zenus. But then there's also Apollos mentioned in verse 13, and this is most likely the minister we are familiar with from books like Acts and 1 Corinthians. Now Titus, and most likely the fellow Christians on Crete, are instructed to help support these men as they prepare to go elsewhere and to do the work of the Lord. So if we look at this conclusion briefly, it's not just we want to try to figure out who these men are to have some type of special knowledge or revelation, but is there something here we can see? We see 
people who do the work of the Lord and do it effectively in whatever regard that is, whether it be as ministers, whether it be as servants, whether it be just as people who are helping part-time, we see that those people are to be respected and honored for the work that they do, as well as we see the hospitality that Titus and the Cretan Christians are to be giving to men who are doing the work here that are described in these verses. Yeah, reading these personal notes about the people who were involved and the things that they were doing, places they were going, it kind of makes it more real, doesn't it, as you think about these individual lives and that they're involved in, in what's going on here. So in verse 14, he says, Let our people learn to devote themselves to good works for pressing needs so that they will not be unfruitful. You know, it's kind of weird because Paul has already talked about that. He's already made that point clear enough, right? But in this final greeting here, he wants to make this another reminder, as if he wants to drive home the message emphatically. Remember, this is what God's grace does in our lives. It makes us zealous for good works. So in Titus 3, we see three instances of good works. In verse 1, he says to be ready for good works. We need to be prepared in whatever circumstances we find ourselves in. Being a Christian isn't a job you can punch in and out of. We're always on duty. We need to be ready for good deeds all the time. In verse 8, he says we need to be careful to devote ourselves to good deeds. I think the idea is we need to be thoughtful. Sometimes good work takes some planning. It It takes thinking outside the box. It takes being aware of needs and keeping our eyes open. And verse 14, as we see here, we need to be fruitful in good deeds. So if the gospel is a tree, then our lives are the fruit it bears by the good works that are created and are effective as the grace of God is working through us. So just as a final reminder, Paul wants Christians and Titus to emphasize to Christians Our role in this world is to be full and devoted of good deeds. So that leads us to our final verse of not just the chapter, but of the book as a whole, chapter 3 and verse 15. I want to notice that Paul is not alone in his concern for the truth that will stand strong in Crete. He says in chapter 3, verse 15, all those who are with me send greetings. So whoever is with Paul at the moment of writing this letter that's going to be delivered to Titus, that will most likely not just be read by Titus, but churches throughout the island of Crete, know that Paul and other Christians are thinking about them. I don't think that's just a a passing thought. I think that's something that has to relate to, we're praying for you, we care about you, we want to see you succeed and grow. We see that they are not alone in this, but there is support from their brethren, maybe even brethren they don't yet know, but think how encouraging that is. But hold on to and savor the final line of this letter. Paul says, grace be with all of you. Grace. It's where Paul began the letter in chapter 1 and verse 4 as he wrote to Titus. It's the high point in the middle of the letter in chapter 2 verse 11. And grace, the favor of God, is what we all need so much even as we go throughout our days, throughout our weeks and our months, and throughout the rest of our lives. We need that favor from the Lord and the work that we do for his kingdom to his glory. Amen. So as we wrap up today's episode, we want to end on our weekly challenge. So as we think about Titus 3 and how we can apply it, we want you to identify one pressing need, taking that phrase from verse 14, one pressing need in your life that you can meet. And this week, find a way to fulfill that need by good works. Maybe it's a pressing need in your family, maybe your children or your spouse, maybe your father or mother. 
Maybe it's a pressing need with someone at church or in your community or a neighbor. As you're working to help that person in need, remember your why. We talked about the why of Bible study. We also asked you last week to think about your why for godly living. So as you're fulfilling the pressing needs around you, go back to that why and connect it with God's grace and mercy shown you in the gospel. Ask yourself, why am I doing this, right? Why am I being motivated to help someone else? And connect it with what God has done for you. So that's Titus. Like we've stated a number of times before, we wanted to make sure we did our best to show what it looks like to not just talk about the inductive study method, but to actually put into practice the things we've discussed, especially in those first five episodes. So we want to know what were your thoughts on this series? Was it helpful? And do you feel like you've gained some skills and confidence in your personal study of the Word? We would love to hear your feedback, and let us know if you'd like for us to do more episodes like this, walking through different books of the Bible. Before we leave, we want to give you a sneak peek at what we've been working on for the next few episodes. So next week, we're going to take a one-week break and then return for a series on daily Bible reading. We believe that reading God's Word every day, in some capacity, is so important in our spiritual growth. So we hope to give you some tools and ideas for making that a part of your life, if, or if it already is a part of your life, to get more out of your daily Bible reading. We're especially excited about this mini-series because we will have some special guests on the show to give Jeff and I some ideas to help, and also hopefully you as well. So be looking for episode 10 on Tuesday, November 10th, two weeks from today. If there are any questions, topics, or books of the Bible you would like for us to cover in future episodes of Working with the Word, you can find and reach us on Facebook and Twitter at Working with the Word, on Instagram at workingwiththeword.podcast, or send us an email to workingwiththewordpodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word, workingwiththewordpodcast at gmail.com. So until next time, may you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity.